Welcome to the Art and Science of Joy podcast. This podcast is all about inspiring people to live more joyfully. So if you're seeking a bit more joy in your own life or seeking to bring some more joy to the lives of others, then this podcast could well be for you. And welcome to the Year of Joy series in which I talk to experts on special powers, which we call joy superpowers. Each and every one of us can cultivate in order to build more joy into our lives. I'm Andrew Cannon, and I have the honour to be your host. And in this episode, I'm excited to be talking with Ryan Jenkins about the joy superpower of connection. Ryan is a best-selling author on the topics of team connection, generational differences, and the future of work. His latest book is Connectable, How Leaders Can Move Teams from Isolated to All In. And Ryan's thought leadership has been featured in Thorpe's, um, Fast Company, Fortune, and CNBC. Ryan has helped hundreds of world-leading organizations like Salesforce, Coca-Cola, and Delta Airlines. And is also partner at WorkRivet.com, a technology platform that facilitates meaningful one-on-one connections across multi-generational teams. Ryan lives in, Ryan lives in Atlanta, Georgia, with his wife, three children, and yellow Labrador, whose name we need to know. <laughs> his name is Bauer. Well, welcome, Bauer, and welcome, Ryan, to the podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Looking forward to this conversation. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Let's start with a bit of context, um, and let's talk about how you see the state of connectedness in America today. What's the state of the nation? Yeah, before I give you some some interesting data points, I'll take one step back further and, and tell you how I got interested in this topic. Um, I'd studied generational differences for a decade, and I was writing a book about Gen Z or Gen Z, and that's the fastest growing generation in the workforce over the next decade across the globe. And I discovered that they're the most lonely and isolated generation we've ever encountered. Um, they're actually twice as likely to experience uh, loneliness than our elderly population. That's the first time we've had an emerging generation experience that more so than an elderly population. So highly concerning and this was all pre-pandemic. So I dove into this work trying to figure out how do we help Gen Z get more connected, especially as they're entering the workforce. And I zeroed in on the workplace being the place where we spend most of our uh, waking hours. That'd be a great place to cultivate more connection to ultimately boost the well-being and, and the joy of this next generation as they come into the workforce. Um, so that's how this all started. It turns out, you know, we did a global research and it turns out everyone's experiencing more Disconnection and isolation, uh, it still appears to be most acute amongst the emerging generation, but we're all experiencing this. And some of the, the data that we uncovered um, was that tr tripled is the amount of Americans who say they have no close friends since 1985. So that number's tripled. Um, zero is the most common response when asked, how many confidants do you have? So we just have smaller social circles. And then more specific to the workplace, 72% uh, of global workers say that they experience uh, loneliness at least monthly, with 55% saying at least weekly. And 69% um, of employees are looking for more connection at work. And so it's it's, it's just fascinating how we're, we're, we're more disconnected than ever. We're looking towards the workplace to kind of fulfill this need. Um, and it is just that detrimental. But back to your question on what is the state of of connection? That's where we're at currently. We're, we we tend to we're, we're, we're it, disconnection is growing. Um, but there's a silver lining to this, and that because it is 
uh, disconnection is increasing, that means it's malleable and it can decrease. And so we can actually find more joy if we turn the ship around as it relates to disconnection. And so I'm sure we'll talk about some ways to do just that. We will indeed. We will indeed. And it's amazing. I'll just pull you back to the, the comment on friends and friendship and the importance of that. So that reminded me of the the original research we did into into joy and what sort of distinguishes people who are feeling a lot of joy in their lives and those who aren't. And and the number of friends was a clear um sort of denominator there. And sort of five tended to be the magic number. That, that we came up with if people could say that there are five people that they could call when they're in need um then you're likely to have a more joyful life than if you don't but in your context of what you just said it seems a lot of people are really going to struggle to to name five people that they could call when they have a moment of need yes yeah that, that number is, is shrinking and it's really alarming and you know i think one of the the, the the big reasons for this, you know, we surveyed folks and they gave us, we identified eight modern causes of disconnection and loneliness. But I think one of the big sneaky ones that no one's really thinking about is this idea of dependency shift. Um, and so I'll give you a quick short story that yeah. that kind of plays this out. But uh, I have three young children and, and when our youngest was about to turn one, at least here in the U.S., when a child turns one, you throw them this massive birthday party. I'm not sure why we do this because they're not going to remember it. But you do it anyway. <laughs> it's for the parents, I think, right? Um, and so we threw him this party. We invited over our college-age friend Cassidy to our, our home. And my wife and I were preparing the dishes before our guests arrived. And we uh, handed a can of olives to Cassidy and said, hey, could you open up this can of olives? She said, sure thing. My wife and I turned and began preparing some other dishes. A few minutes went by. We noticed no progress was being made with Cassidy's dish. We thought, oh, no, well, let's investigate. And I investigated a little bit further, and she was on her phone. And I thought, oh, my gosh, she just got here, and she's already distracted by her device. I thought, well, I need to nudge her into some action here because we got guests coming over. And as I investigated further, it turns out she wasn't distracted, but she was on her phone actually being very resourceful because she was on YouTube watching a video on how to use a manual can opener. <laughs> and... You know, it dawned on me in that moment, Andrew, and I'm sure listeners can relate, you and I, we are less dependent on each other than ever before. It's easier than ever to navigate this world alone. And that has not been true or easy in the years past in the in the whole um, lifespan of humanity. And so we are less dependent on each other. So if something breaks in your home, you're less likely to knock on your neighbor's door and have that social interaction or call a parent or sibling so there's just less of that. We turn to these wonderful devices that we have. And you and I were talking about AI before we hit record here. I mean, we should be using this technology, but let's not, uh, you know, we need to be careful because the more we embrace this, the less that we're pulling away from each other. And uh, it's detrimental to our, not only our physical health, but the health of our communities and our, our, our organizations. And of course, it's decreasing our joy as well. Yeah, that is amazing. Um, I didn't even think about that aspect of it until you just mentioned it reminded me of the, the time I managed to lock myself out of my car and found a good YouTube video that managed to get me out of that without costing me 200 bucks, which was a, a nice win. But thinking about it in the broader context, if all of our lives were just doing that and not talking to each other, not connecting and especially intergenerational, I think, you know, there, there used to be this whole thing of 
connecting with somebody who has experience and you know whether that's a grandparent or an uncle or an aunt or somebody not necessarily your parents but somebody you could go and talk to hey how do you do this how does this work you know um take you to see steam trains or whatever and, and see how these mechanics all work and if we miss that totally that i can imagine there is a detrimental impact on connectedness you're spot on. Yeah. For the first time ever, if you think about it, it's the first time ever we've ever had an emerging generation that has skills and knowledge that previous generations don't have because we've always passed on knowledge and skills generation to generation to generation because of the dawn of the internet and the, all the mobile technology we have at our disposal. We have emerging generations that, that work differently, that communicate differently th than previous generations. And that's causing differences and distance between groups of uh, age groups and you're right that's contributing to, to the disconnection as well which is like really strange because for those listeners who don't know i live in finland and the home of nokia and nokia's you know slogan from sort of day one was connecting people right so the whole premise of these devices when they came out whether that was through text messaging back in the day or how that transformed the whole premise was that these devices are going to help you connect and now we're finding out perhaps that the opposite has happened. They're making us less connected, which is, I think, super fascinating from a sociological point of view. Yeah, you know, I'm right there with you. And well said. And and um, the latest Apple conference uh, that they did where they just rolled out the new Apple, I believe it's called ProVision, which is Apple's, you know, uh, virtual reality headset, which is incredible. And, you know, just a phenomenal piece of, of tech. But they were asking uh, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, hey, you know, tell us more about this tool. And he said the same thing that that your folks did there in Finland. They said he said this is a tool of connection. Meanwhile, uh, ninety percent of the the images and videos they showed of people using the the Pro Vision, they were all alone using that device. And I thought that's not connection. <laughs> um, no, it could right. be useful. You but it's it's not connection. And I think you bring up a really help, uh, important distinction here that we should talk about, and hopefully it's helpful for listeners, is that there's a very distinct difference between communication and connection. Those two things are not the same thing. So we use technology for communication, right? And everyone's uh, has has experienced this. You could text a significant other that you love them. You could text them that all day. That's just communication. And that's wonderful. And that's good. We need to be good communicators. But that's just communication. It doesn't become connection until they hear the tone in your voice when you express that sentiment or they see your body language or feel your embrace. That becomes connection. So communication is the exchanging of information. We process that in the front part of our brain. And that's what technology is wonderful for. But connection is different. And it's processed in the back part of our brain. And it's the ease of communication it's the sense of feeling seen and heard in a in a conversation so how i like to sum it up is communication is dealt but connection is felt and we can't we can't misconstrue these because again communication is important but what we're doing when we're using technology um, we're communicating and we think we're connecting but we're not and so we're essentially just social snacking, right? And we're keeping our loneliness and isolation and disconnection levels at a manageable level. But what we need as humans and as social creatures, we need nourishing conversations and connections to really fill our joy bucket and to make sure that our, our health is staying uh, where it should be and that we're 
supporting one another. So there's a big distinction between communication and connection and, yeah. and technologies filling that communication, but not connection. I love that. And I think for our listeners, that's something really important for everybody to take a moment to think about and to look at their own lives and how they're using the devices to, yes, help communication. But are they in the way of connectedness? And, you know, next week I mentioned to you, Ryan, before we started that we have Larissa Mills coming on to talk about balancing tech. And one of her things is about the dinner table and how those devices in that context are definitely hindering connectedness um as people are you know busy doing their own social communications to a thousand different people on 20 different platforms they're ignoring that possibility to have that quality connectedness time over those family meals yeah i think we we understand um the importance of social connection i just don't i'm convinced after studying it for almost four years now we 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 don't know how important it is and we take it for granted and we think just just being around each other is connection but it's not loneliness is not the absence of people it's the absence of connection um because you can be in a crowded room and not if you don't have connections with those people you can still feel uh, still isolated and disconnected and alone um so it's not about just the presence it's about the connection we have between each other and certainly these devices um, aren't good for that. And so we need to do a good job of keeping those devices in check. And the reason we, we created these devices was to serve us, humanity. And I think we use these tools for efficiencies. And so if, if, if it's creating more efficiencies, we should have more time. And I think we should be good stewards of that extra time to connect with each other uh, because um, it doesn't just happen naturally, right? We don't connect and build friendships just naturally. We have to work at it. And I think that's also why we're having such a struggle right now is because we're it's so easy for humans to choose the convenient over the over connections, right? It's very easy to choose the convenient option. And we'll always do that. We'll choose the path of least resistance, but that's not the road to a uh, a joyful life. We need to, to, to be more intentional about building our connections and be careful of how those devices um, get in the way. So I'm really curious to see what uh, Larissa brings, to, uh, all the yeah. insights she brings next week. Yeah, they've... These are great. And I think, you know, it's part of this, you know, this isn't all about tech. I think there's also, you know, a thing around entertainment that, you know, people have somehow gone down the road of using entertainment as well as a surrogate for connectedness. And, you know, that, again, is isolating its impact. Yes, you could get immersed in a series. Yes, you could get immersed um, in entertainment. But again, is that detriment to your connectedness um, around that? So, and especially, I suppose, with the the change in entertainment, I remember back in the day, obviously, when we had, you know, just three channels and everybody watched Alice, that at work, segueing into work, that would be the connection, right? Around the water cooler, what happened in Dallas this week, because everybody was on the same wavelength. Now we've got that somebody's watched the whole new series, somebody's on series one, somebody's on series 10. So you can't necessarily even talk about your favorite series because you might be spoiling it for your colleague who is like three series behind you in the, <laughs> in the experience. So this lack of, I suppose, social experiences where we're all experiencing the same thing at the same time has become a personalized experience, which is maybe disconnecting. I don't know. You're the researcher. Tell me, did you find what have we found in what are the what's driving unconnectedness? 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're, you're, you bring up such a, a great insight and it's true. I mean, as, as consumers at an individual level, we want these unique experiences, right? I mean, if you and I went to Amazon or Netflix, we would have different experiences because it's catered to what our preference is. And of course, that's wonderful. I don't want to, you know, scroll my social feed and then see advertisements that don't relate to me. Um, you know, I don't want to see advertisements for um, the the Kansas City Chiefs when I'm a Denver Broncos fan, right? <laughs> like, uh, so, so we crave this individualized experience, which makes sense. But to your point, we got to be really careful because we're missing out on this collective social experience where we can begin to relate to one another. And it's it's getting harder to do that. I, I recently heard Malcolm Gladwell's podcast. I think, I think it was Revisionist History where he was highlighting they were looking at Will and Grace was like they were arguing was one of the most uh, the last like kind of mass popular TV show here in the U.S. Um, where it was I think it got like a Nielsen score of like nine or ten, which is just like incredible. And then they were contrasting that with one of the most popular Netflix shows, which was uh, Orange is the New Black. And by all standards, it was a it was a runaway hit, but it would have only gotten if they still did the Nielsen ratings would have only gotten like a one or a two. And so to your point that the, we just there's it's gone are the days where we're all experiencing the, the same thing together where that becomes a connection point. So again, that's even more um, more encouragement and more of a nudge for us to to to, to get into communities and to to be more intentional about sparking these connections because it doesn't just um, hatch, happen naturally. All right. So let's talk a bit more about the, the, your research and the science. You know, when we think about just to drive home to our listeners that why is connection so important? What what benefits? And then when you think about that, maybe also you know if you look to this in the work context how in particular in that context, the work from home whole thing going on, um, how is this all playing out of the, what's the benefits that, that people can have? Yeah. So, you know, we, we only identified where loneliness shows up in our brain in the last like eight years. So the science around how isolation and loneliness is impacting our physical well-being is really new. And so we're just on the cutting edge of trying to figure out and understanding more about how detrimental it is. Um, but just to give you a couple of data points, so people who score in the top 10 percentile of happiness surveys do this one thing more than folks on the average happiness levels. And that one thing they do is spend time with others. So the most happiest of all people, what they do more so than any other, anyone else is spend time with, with others. And then I, we also, in our book, we turned uh, folks' attentions to the longest study of adult development ever conducted at Harvard University, where they studied over, at this point, they studied over 2,000 people, and it's it's uh, they've done it for over 80 years, and it's still going on today, which is incredible. And what they do is that every other year, they study in depth these participants, and they'll scan their brain and review their finances and do interviews with their close social ties. They'll do a physical uh, check, and they found that and the whole purpose of this, this study is to figure out the what contributes to a long and healthy life. And what they found, after all, 80 years, 2,000-plus two, participants, the, the definitive answer to a long and healthy life is quality connections with others. It's not diet. It's not exercise, thank God, from, you know, from, <laughs> from my perspective. Uh, it's not you know, economics, wealth. It's quality connections with others. So if our goal is to find more joy, whether that be in our personal lives or our professional lives, quality connections, it's all about our social connections. And so I can... 
I can, I can, um, confidently say that the single greatest predictor of our health and our happiness, our joy is the quality of our social connections. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, if you look at the data, it's really pretty clear. And then if you turn your attention more specifically to, to work, you know, 69% of employees aren't satisfied with the opportunities for connection at work. And we're, we're seven times more likely to be disengaged if we feel disconnected at work. We're three times more likely to quit a job. And if we begin to understand connection, all this data really makes sense because the I'm convinced the most significant need you and I have is belonging, is connection with our fellow humans. Why? Because for as far back as we can recall, you know, there was always strength in numbers. And as soon as you got excluded from a group, your survival rate plummeted. So now, even today in modern world, when you experience exclusion or isolation or loneliness, your body goes into that stress state. So your body's in this constant stress state. That's why it's so physically unhealthy for us. But when your body's in that stress state, you're in this constant fight or flight mode. So of course, you're going to want to leave an organization if you're not feeling seen and heard and, and part of the team. Of course, you're not going to be able to engage because you're trying to, to mend this, mm -hmm. this invisible wound that you have. So I'm convinced that if we want to move the needle in our professional and personal lives, it social connection is is the thing we've got to dial in and really be focused on so uh hopefully that was helpful for a lot of data out there absolutely and absolutely we love the art and science of joy so we love the data as well so that's fantastic and uh, you know the, the quality word you kept repeating right quality of connection quality of connection quality of connection. So don't think number of followers number of likes um but think mm. about depth of connection but I'm, I'm confused i must admit i'm super confused right so yeah. two reasons um one is on a society level a government level is you know we're hopefully led by smart people um who hopefully look at the same data that you looked at and upset we build a society where we're making people more isolated you know we're pushing them into little boxes to live we're disconnecting them from community but also on a work level if we just looked at the work level you know and we've had this whole back to the office discussion going on and but it seems that companies at least i haven't seen a lot of argumentation that connectedness is the reason for this you know it is efficiency it's we're going to control you we're going to be able to you know um make you do more or, or whatever but why aren't they playing the connectedness card do you know you're right yeah no i i think um there's very few examples of the organizations that we work with where we feel like they're doing it right, which is leaning into the benefits of connections. And they're really working to educate their teams that, hey, we're doing this for the not only your physical well-being, but the health of our of our teams and our organizations. Um, and so the, that takes time. That takes insight. And again, I think this is such a new conversation. Um, and we're, again, the science around this is also new, the data, you know, we just came out of a pandemic, like there's so much new studies that we're trying to unpack and understand. And so I think it's difficult for a lot of leaders and organizations to lean into this and take this from a, an, an awareness and education perspective to get folks back in. But really what's, what's kind of, what I think is happening here, that there's this, uh, this, this pull between the three psychological nutrients that psychologists say humans have. So the, the first is connection, the second is autonomy, and the third is competency. And so th those first two are at odds right now, right? We want our connection, right? We know we need social connection, but I'm 
I'm convinced we don't know how much we need it or we're, 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 uh, you know, the other thing to think about here is social fitness is a thing, right? That we, we need to be working out our social muscle because if not it atrophies and then we're less likely to, to encounter and go into those social uh, environments. So we need to be, of course, we know physical health is important. We know mental health is becoming more important. So mental fitness and keeping our brain sharp. The next category I think that we need to start thinking about is social fitness. How do we keep our social skills fit so that we can um, constantly be um, more apt and willing to step out of the house and outside of our remote work routine? Um, so these are you know, the autonomy and connection are at odds, right? We want the autonomy. We don't want our organizations to tell us when and where we can work because we worked from home during the pandemic. We stress tested. It didn't break. So I still want my autonomy. So when organizations are trying to rip that autonomy from folks and telling them to be back in the office, um, that's why you see that resistance. Um, meanwhile, connection is just kind of flying in the wind, and we're not even really thinking about that. Um, unless you're one of those few organizations I mentioned at the top of my, my comment here that are doing it strategically and with the, the education and arming their, their team members with the, the insights and the strategies they can do to cultivate more of this, this connection. Um, and I will say too, last comment on this is that if you think back to that definition of loneliness, it's not the absence of people, it's the absence of connection. So connection can still occur in a digital environment. It takes a lot more intentionality and it's harder to do. Um, but it can still occur. And so, you know, if, if organizations don't have to get everyone back in the room, in fact, some organizations we've been working with are just pulling everyone back in the room. But if they're not focused on cultivating that connection, it can exasperate the isolation problem. Because if you get in a room and you feel like, oh, my isolation and loneliness should now be evaporated. But if you if it's not, it can be accentuated and you can want to flee from those situations even more so. So it's a really complex and tricky issue here. And I, I don't know if that's, uh, hopefully that made you less confused on this topic there, Andrew. <laughs> probably not, probably not. But I, I think it makes me you know, understand how complex the, this issue is. Yeah. And to me, you know, the issue is, again, it, in some ways it comes back to authenticity that, you know, if the leaders are generally doing it from an idea that there are benefits to connectivity, um, of having people around the water cooler, of having people in face-to-face -face creativity sessions or whatever they're doing, of why are we in the office together? But it's just a question of, hey, we can control you better in the office and therefore we want you feeling lonely sitting in your cubicle uh, rather than sitting at home where, you know, you might have the dog you could play with if you're feeling lonely. Um, you know, it, people are going to get exasperated. They're going to have a negative impact from that experience because mm -hmm. the desire that they had to have that human connection is just not there, even though they were given that opportunity to sit in the same canteen or whatever to that. So I think you're right. It, it needs to be the behaviors need to change because it's a feeling. I think you mentioned that as well, mm -hmm. didn't you? It's that feeling of connectedness is is what we're looking for here and what people are struggling perhaps to find in that in that work environment but i think there's hope i mean i know that there are a lot of companies like yours working to try and help leaders understand this issue and the impact and to, to build that connectedness so that's fantastic let's focus you know we focused i think on the problem we focused on the benefits um let's focus a bit on the how Right. So, you know, maybe some of our listeners are sitting there saying, oh, this is all very cool. There's a lot of good science coming here. Love this, love this, love this. Um, 
But how do I go about building connection in my own life, whether that's outside of work, within work, as an individual? You know, what's within my power? What can I do? Yeah, terrific. I'll, I'll give a couple of ideas. Uh, we talked a lot about technology and social media, and I'm sure Larissa, in the following weeks, we'll have a lot of great insights as well. But again, there's a difference between communication and connection. So how do you trade communication for connection? So where in those small moments in your day can you trade a text message for a phone call? Or can you trade a virtual meeting to an in-person meeting? Right? Where can we make those small adjustments? Because they matter. And hopefully I made a compelling case as to why they matter. So find those ways to trade communication for connection. That's one idea. The other thing that gets actually the number one thing that we, according to our research, that folks told us gets in their way of their connections with others is busyness. Uh, Research proves that time constraints severely severely limit our willingness to engage with others. And so, um, and we're all guilty of this, right? We're we're probably more, we have more on our plates. Uh, Our calendars are more jam-packed than they were just five years ago. And so we've got to find ways to to create more margin because it's in that margin that's where meaningful connections and meaningful relationships are are, ma- are made. So a, a simple idea is to, to arrive extra early, right? The next social media meetup or meeting or appointment you have, just show up 15 minutes early so you don't feel rushed. If you have a little bit, bit of margin to connect with the person behind the counter or to have a small conversation with a stranger. So just building a little bit extra margin can be helpful. On our team at uh, Rivet, which is we have a connection tool that workplaces use to actually um, connect individuals that are scientifically proven to build a strong connection. And we're a, a company that's focused on connection, but we're all remote. And so we have a weekly meeting and we do something that we called Connect Five. So we spend five minutes, five minutes uh, at the top of our town hall meeting uh, are very busy, always uh, plenty of things to discuss and go over, but we know we got to fit in the five minutes at the top to actually um, where one person will share something non-work related. They'll show a picture that's non-work related. And so someone shared a picture of their marathon training. And we thought, oh my gosh, we never knew you were this extraordinary marathon uh, you know, uh, athlete. And so now we, there's a data point. We see the human behind the jobs. So that's another example, again, of putting pause on the busyness uh, to actually cultivate that that space and that margin to connect with someone else. Um, the other thing I like to do at times, and I, I travel a lot, and I'm I'm you know I'm a busy person, and I tend to just get in my routines. Um, but I'll I, I whenever I can, I'll I try to defer to or, or spend my time saying after you, right? If I'm going to the elevator with someone else, I, I'll pause and say you know after you. Just spend the whole day saying after you, um, after you, after you. Just just a small subtle way of kind of putting the brakes on the busy lifestyle and again creating a little bit of space to potentially have another connection with someone. And then this other idea that I like, again, this is kind of all around this idea of busyness, is how can we be more interruptible? Um, you know, I, I think so often we, we're, we're always just focused on the immediate. And then if someone interrupts us, measure how you feel in that moment when you get interrupted. Are you all of a sudden very frustrated with that individual? Then that's a clear indicator that you might need some more margin. And we should not be angry about that. We should be able to turn our attention to those individuals um, that need our time and 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 be in those moments because those are op- great opportunities for connections. And so being more interruptible, we can't always be always interruptible, but how can we weave in a little bit more interruptibility in our lives? And then the last uh, idea I'll share is gratitude, right? Gratitude's been proven to to, to lessen 
feelings of loneliness because what happens when you're when you're expressing gratitude, you're thinking about somebody else. You're you're outside of yourself thinking about somebody else, um, and that's essentially connecting with that other person. And you might not even have to actually be in the presence of that person to feel a, a little bit of a connection with that individual. So, uh, a daily gratitude journal or, or spending weekly, you know, sending a, a note of gratitude to someone can go a long ways as well. So those are some, some ideas. And then I'll, I'll end my uh, conversations around these tips and how to's is that it takes a lot less time and effort than folks think to, to cultivate a connection. In fact, according to research, it takes as little as 40 seconds to actually have two individuals feel seen and for loneliness to, to, to lessen during a two person interaction, 40 seconds. And we've all experienced this, right? We've experienced to where, um, you know, you, you spark up a short conversation in a 40-second elevator ride, and you both leave that elevator feeling a boosted well-being and more joy because you just spent a little bit of time seeing each other in that moment. So it doesn't take a lot. And and the the uh, well, I'll, pa- I'll pause there. Hopefully, that was that was some helpful some helpful tips. Absolutely, there. absolutely. And as you know, over the next few weeks, we'll be diving deeper into this with our community members. But I think the the thing that I've stepped away from this is to really for me to take a moment um, now to reflect on my time um, and to really be honest with myself of where that time's going. And yes, busy, 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 but how much of that is real busy, busy, and how much of that is self-generated in my control busyness that I could take that 40 seconds and start a conversation with somebody in the supermarket or at the airport or whatever and and just foster that connection to them and i'm a great believer in what goes around comes around so i think the more you do that you're more you'll find that you will have a a presence an aura that people will then more likely to connect to you and offer you that gift of saying after you um, yes because it's become part of your energy part of your habit so you know i'd encourage people to keep pushing this altruism this gratitude as you say and that will start coming back to them and they find that there'll be people see this smile whether it's an inner smile or an outside smile and then they they want to say hey how's your day really going not just mm-hmm. um ingenuously so i think there's huge benefit to that so thank you very much ryan for sharing with us today i always like to end with a question very simple but tell our listeners what's bringing you joy uh, you know, outside of my wife and three kids and yellow Labrador, his name is Bauer. We covered at the top. Um, they bring me an enormous amounts of joy. I love connecting with them on a daily basis, but I just love having conversations like these and connecting with, with new friends like you, Andrew, and, and sharing this, this important information. And I hope this is helpful for, for listeners. So, uh, moments like these give me a lot of joy. And I'm hopeful that uh, in the years to come, we'll all be a little bit more committed to connection and uh, big things are ahead when we do that. Absolutely. Well, thanks once again, Ryan. It's been a pleasure and a joy chatting with you today. And I hope you, our listeners, have enjoyed this podcast episode as much as I have and feel inspired to cultivate more connectedness in your life. And please check out the show notes to the links to Ryan and all the great work that he and his team are doing. And if you're already a member of the Year of Joy community, over the next few weeks, we're going to be deep diving into connectedness and offering you some tools and tips to help you go out and try and embed more connectedness into your life. So meet us in the forum 
for that. And if you're not a member of the Year of Joy community, you are more than welcome to join. So please check out our website, theartofsciencejoy.com, to find out more about that too. Thank you once again for listening. And I hope you tune in for the next episode of the Art and Science of Joy podcast. Until then, stay well, stay joyful and stay connected.